This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freakamere Pod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. You've got to get obsessed and stay obsessed. John Irving. I don't know what I was thinking, and I think this is where you kind of make choices and there was one real bad choice and there was this kind of fence lining and it kind of met into the into this like mountainside or crag and it just looked really daunting and for some reason in my head and the cloud had come in and it started to get really heavy cloud so it was clear and then within within literally 30 seconds or 60 seconds whiteout couldn't see a thing just could all see it come towards me and I was just like okay I'm not going up there uh, I thought if I do have to, it looked like I had to do it, but I thought I'm not doing that today. And for some stupid reason, I climbed over the fence right and went round. And then I kind of 
I couldn't get back on top because then the cloud got really thick so I couldn't see where I was going and then it was too steep to get back on side and again I didn't think why don't you just retrace your steps and go back and um, there was just two big lakes at the bottom and I tried to then I thought I need to get out of here so I kind of I took a I took a right down towards the lake and to, there was this forest and I could see on the map that there was a track that led through the forest but when I got down there it wasn't an actual forest it was an actually it was a logging forest which was so dense so the trees were all like like so close to each other and it was like Satan I just grabbed hold I couldn't get out of there it was all over me and I'm getting smacked in the face by by branches so I quickly made an exit out of this little forest and then headed back down to this stream and then I hit like just this 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 swamp and I twice I fell up to my waist in swamp the second time first time I kind of got out fairly easy and the second time it was really thick and then I lost my, my one of my outs come off so I'm like flapping around trying to get my shoe back on the weight of my pack and I thought I need to ditch my pack but I thought if I ditch that that's gone and I don't know where I am at this point. I need to get out of here. And it took me 45 minutes to pull myself out of this swamp. And you're on your own. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's nasty weather. And I was just, it, it started to really, when you panic, and I, there was moments in my mind where I was thinking, this is it. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you all, depending on where you're listening to this week's episode. Thank you for taking another trip down the trail with the John Freakin' Muir Pod. I've got a quick update on listenership of the pod around the globe. We have listeners tuning in in 39 countries around the world, including our most recent additions, South Africa, Finland, and Israel. And in the domestic market, we've got folks listening in 49 states and Washington, D.C., missing only the great state of Wyoming. So if you've got friends in Wyoming, let them know what's up. All right, we're going to go back to our roots this week and spend some time with a guest who is relatively new to backpacking and talk to him about he went from brand new hiker to going out on multi-day solo hiking adventures. Our guest this week is PJ. Welcome to the pod, PJ. And is it PJ or should, I go, should we go by Paul? Whatever. I mean, a lot of my, uh, well, yeah, first of all, hi, Doc. Thank you for, for having me. Um, but yeah, PJ, all my friends, well, family, Call me PJ or Peach, but yeah, uh, Paul, whatever, whatever floats you boat. <laughs> Peach, I like Peach. That's good. That's my sister calls me Peach. She's like works out how to shorten PJ even more. So, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, PJ is not short enough. We need to shorten no. it to Peach. And, and maybe, maybe you have some relatives that just call you. P- yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. And before we get started here, I need to share with our listeners uh, a startling realization that I just had, you know, in setting up, uh, in reaching out and setting up this whole interview with you, I had no idea that you were on another continent. 
And I, I assumed from our conversations that you were on the West Coast just like me. And so I, I proposed this interview time, uh, not thinking anything of it. And then lo and behold, we get on the line here and I find out that you're in England and it's actually 2 a.m. where you are. So I have to congratulate you for, for hanging in there and being uh-huh. such a, a good sport about this. No, no, no problem at all. I was quite taken aback that um, you invited me on. So I was, uh, yeah, more than happy, more than happy. I went to bed at 10, got a few hours in, and then got up, had a quick shower and a cup of coffee, so I'm good to go. <laughs> so this is, this is in the middle of the night. You've already had some sleep. Maybe this is a dream. This could You could just be dreaming right now. Who knows? You'd pinch yourself. Who knows? Last night, I dreamt of climbing Everest. And that's, that's the shit, that's real. I was, yeah, so uh, that was quite bizarre, but yeah, it's uh, good. All right, so uh, Peej, have you listened to the pod before? <laughs> I have, yeah, I have. I mean, I think it was when I, when I got into hiking, the first, I say not the first trail, but one of the first sort of things that really got my attention was the JMT. And then um, obviously coming across your your Instagram and it was like the John freaking mirror. I was just like, hell yeah, I've got to be on that podcast. I was like, right. So yeah, I have definitely listened to it. It's great. Lots of cool different stories on there from, you know, endurance athletes to, to families. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's very, very cool and good what you do. Really oh, entertaining. Thank you. thank you. I wasn't looking for compliments. I was just, I wanted to make sure that you knew about a regular segment we have on the pod, and that's called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And right. so we're going to get to a, a point at the end of the episode where I'm going to turn to you and say, hey, Peej, what's your, what's your Pro Tip Insight of the Week that you can share with our listeners to make their next adventure that much better? So some kind of insight, uh, some kind of pro tip that uh, kind of just arises out of our conversation tonight. For sure. Okay, very good. All right, so... Um, Peej, do you have uh, other other than Peej or PJ? Do you have a trail name? Have you have you earned one of those yet? I have not earned one of those yet. No, I definitely um, from what I've uh, I've read and heard and everything, it's the, it's definitely something that's sort of given to you whilst out on the trail. And I've primarily been a, a solo hiker, so uh, not many people have been out there giving giving me a trail name. And I don't think it's necessarily something that's done. In the UK, I, I, I've not heard of it as much in, or heard of it at all in, in the UK. So something that, um, yeah, I'd uh, be nice to have one day, I suppose. it's uh, I, That's kind of how it all kind of started with me as well, was the, the whole John Muir Trail. And that's the, my interest in, in hiking and wanting to do something. So I was kind of, yeah, maybe hoping that that would have happened for me. So until you get over here to the States to, to get on one of the trails and earn your, your trail name, uh, I, I just envisioned this uh, possible episode over there in the, in, the, in the UK, in England, where you're on a trail somewhere and you come upon some other hikers, some fellow hikers, and you demand of them, hey, give me my trail name. And uh, they have no idea what you're talking about. This could be very yeah. awkward. They would be if you like crickets, just awkward silence, just looking at me. <laughs> what are you on about? <laughs> hey, let's let's touch on the the JMT because you told me a little bit before we started recording. Um, so you became interested in the JMT, and I understand you actually applied for a permit on the JMT. How did that go? 
Yeah, I did. So when I, when I got into it and everything, obviously I was looking at, I needed, I'm the type of person that would need something to really grab hold of, something that would excite me and get me going. And I kind of looked at everything, looked at the PCT, AT and all the Continental Divide trails. And I thought, I, I, not, not going to happen. You know, I'm doing two and a half thousand miles and uh, all that kind of stuff. And work wouldn't, you know, it just wouldn't happen. And then obviously in doing that and researching loads of different trails that were out there, I came across, or part, part way of the PCT, I guess, going, going north is the, is the JMT. So I kind of looked into that and saw that you could do it northbound and, and southbound. And I obviously then kind of went through that, that whole process of learning about what you need to do and the application process and that it was lottery that I think it was 25, I think it's 35 slots a day. 25 of those are done by our lottery system, 28 day rolling lottery. So I kind of went through the whole process, the application and, um, yeah, just, uh, I think I'd heard people years waiting to, to try to get on there. So I thought, okay, well, chances, chances are pretty slim to none. So I'll, I'll just give it a whirl. And then uh, went through it. And then that first three days, that was in January the 4th, I think it was. And then three days in, you know, just declined, declined. Okay, here we go, that loop. And I had a bit of flexibility on time, but I just thought it's just going to be continuous. Anyway, and then day four came. And it, and then you just get the one that says, "Yeah, you know, congratulations, you, you're, uh, you, you've, you, you've got your permit." I was just like, oh, "Shit, <laughs> like, this is real." Like, I really, like, okay, I really need to get hiking now because I hadn't really done anything at that point. Um, but it really kind of rubber stamped. This is something you need to do now. You can't get a ticket like that and uh, and, and 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 not do it. And then obviously, so I went through the. I, you know, looking into hiking gear and absorb that. I'm the type of person that really, really gets into stuff. So I'm like, I'll just zone completely. I was looking at every type of blog, video, everything and everything that I could do looking at, looking at, and I made a few little obviously mistakes in, in equipment that you, like the first pair of shoes that I got were horrendous and yeah, not, not good at all. But then, so yeah. And then obviously COVID COVID struck and my, 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 it was June 28th was my start date. And uh, I was praying. I was just like, please, like, no, this can't be happening. And then obviously it kind of did. <clears throat> and we didn't get out of lockdown properly until, I think it was just around about then, actually. I can't remember exactly the exact date we came out of the first the real big lockdown when we're back in lockdown again now, but it's nothing as nothing went nowhere near as severe as what it was back then <clears throat> in terms of the restrictions, at least, excuse me. And then, uh, so yeah, I just obviously didn't go. And then it was a case of, right, I need to, I've got all this gear. Like, I need to, I need to do something. <laughs> and then the time was running out and I was looking at all the various different ones that you can do in the UK. I thought I can't do like, there's the Mont Blanc, trail which is in switzerland uh or the, the yeah and uh, just loads of different ones anyway so i came across this snowdonia way which was the yeah that was the that was it's quite a fairly new hike and that's kind of where it all that's where i did my first one so it was kind of that was the that's the story behind the jmt anyway so it was just um quite quite 
I was really, really, really disappointed not being able to go there. And, and I was so looking forward to it. I mean, really looking forward to it. But I think looking at it now, I probably best served me that I didn't do it because it's just lack of experience. And I'd have been going on my own. And I'm pretty sure, obviously, you meet people, and especially on that particular trail. Uh, it's quite obviously frequently sort of visited, even if people are doing sections of it, not necessarily the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I quite possibly would have struggled altitude and just distance and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Peach, that is a sad, sad story. That's that's probably one of the saddest <laughs> stories we've I think we've had on the pod. That is that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it was, yeah. But I do have some questions. Go on. Okay, so. Uh, you were gonna you were gonna go basically from the couch to the JMT. That was gonna be your 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 first one. I mean, was that? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really was. It really was, and it was stupid, <laughs> completely, completely crazy. And you know, I I had a few people probably say that. Um, maybe in the I think the closest to me would have maybe said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> like, really? Uh, a few of my friends were like, "Do you not have TV?" And what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, um, but I don't know. I just really, I needed a challenge. I needed something that was going to fire me up. And I wanted to, I think the whole hiking thing came about a whole change in my life anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I needed it to be quite, quite substantial. I didn't need it to be, I want to start hiking. So I'm just going to start doing 10 mile hikes and see where, you know, to see where it takes me. I needed, I really needed that. Yeah. I'm going to venture to say that, uh, you know, you, you, you were making the reservations early in January and your trip was going to be in June. Yeah. And I think if the COVID thing had not hit and you had been able to, uh, you know, pick up your permit and and travel and and go do the trip. I I would say that you would have been successful because you had six months. You're, you know, yeah, exactly. uh, five five months to you know get your hiking legs under you, and then once you hit the trail, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna adapt. You're gonna you're going to listen to your body. You're going to, you know, uh, do do the daily miles that you need to do. And I think you would have had a a great time. The people on the trail. Uh, other hikers are phenomenal, a great source of support and insight and, you know, trail knowledge. So even though you would have been doing it solo, I, th- I, I venture to say that uh, I think you would have been successful. I'd have like, I'd have hoped so. I'd have hoped so. I think it was just obviously COVID going into, I mean, a first and foremost starting in January, it was, you know, the weather's, well, in, at least in the UK, it's appalling. You don't even have a real nice winter, like snow is kind of just crap. Mm-hmm. So um, I started, everything that I was doing was either in severe cloud and rain and cold. And um, so it wasn't necessarily the nice. And that was kind of, again, you you really have to question why are you doing this when you start hiking in that kind of weather? To pick it up in January is not an easy thing to do for a first time. When you're coming out, you want to be out. You want it's like nice, balmy weather, you know, 20 degrees, you know, shirt, shorts, beautiful countryside. But it wasn't like that at all. It was, you know, I had hailstones, raining, sideways wind, all sorts of stuff. I even went out on a hike during Storm Dennis. We had a storm over here. Um, 
and they're uh, like 50, 60 mile an hour winds and stuff. And it was quite, uh, quite intense, but yeah, I was like, I've got to get out. I'm, I'm not, not hiking this weekend. So, uh, no storm's going to stop me doing that. And that was, that was really cool as well. So, um, yeah. That's diehard. When, when you get into a hobby, you really go full bore. Sounds like. hundred percent. Yeah. I think in anything, I think if anything really, if I, if it, if it really grabs me and like gets hold of me, then, then I'll just, and I enjoy it and I have a, an interest in it and, and the kind of reasoning behind why I want to do it is big enough for me to kind of explore it. Then I'll, I'll absorb it to the extent of wanting to know everything and everything about it. I mean, for the whole John, John Muir trail, before I even received my permit, I'd already done a, a full Excel sheet on where I was, where I was going to get my resupply, how many days I was going to walk, what the elevation change was. I did a north to south version of it as well. So I did a south to north Sobo and then obviously Nobo as well. But both ones, just in case I didn't get the permit that I wanted and I thought, and then I had to do it northbound instead because people were like, yeah, you can go from do northbound as well and it's a bit easier in terms of the permit reservations and all that kind of stuff. So I'd, I'd done, yeah. I mean, I really went to town. <laughs> I really did. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract my earlier statement where I said, I, I think you would have been successful. I'm going to amend that to be, I know you would have been <laughs> successful. I mean, if you put that kind of uh, time and energy into, yeah. into putting that spreadsheet together, there's no doubt. I mean, you would have, you would have killed it. That's, that's great. Um, you know, you rattled off a few trails uh, in your earlier description. You know, you talked about the uh, the Pacific Crest Trail, the the Continental Divide Trail, the Appalachian Trail. That the United States is home to a lot of long trails. You know, those in addition to you know the JMT, Lost Coast, the uh, the Long Trail. Uh, there's all kinds of those. And still, when I talk to people and I tell them what I what I do for a hobby, that I, I go on you know multi multi day backpacking adventures from you know one point to another they they look at me kind of funny and say why why would you do that and so i, I want to know as as you have described your your passion and uh, your obsession to your 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 uh, your fellow citizens in in england what what has been the response to you i know i know that europe has has their hiking trails as well i mean there's the camino there's i know that there's there's uh long distance trails in in the in england as well but you know what what is their reaction to you i think it's just yeah i i a disbelief i think to the most part i think they're not too sure as to why i'd want to do that and you know some people get going for a, you know a nice little jaunt or a little day hike and and things but wanting to put yourself through multiple days on your own you know who with just a backpack on I think it's to some people at least my circle my network of, of people that are around me at least they're quite hmm okay <laughs> interesting <laughs> you know, it's like, okay what, you don't have anything else to do with your life Paul why would you want to do that um even to, to an extent, I think people thought, okay, he'll get it out of his system. He'll do one and he'll be done. And then he'll sell his gear on eBay and that'll be that. And, and it's just definitely not that at all. I think the, I think the, it's just crazy. I think we, it's kind of a, an active, prolonged meditation, especially doing it on your own. I think you're, because your mind is so busy 
with day-to-day things and concerns and just responsibilities and all of the things that come with just life, I think modern life especially, that you, and it's great obviously hiking with other people, you can chat and do things, but I actually just enjoy, and I like listening to like, you know, music and like Nirvana and like proper, like, you know, that kind of sort of thing. When I went out, I wouldn't, li- I didn't listen to anything. Like the whole, like my, the first time I actually, when I did, ended up doing the, the Snowdonia way, which was supposedly, well, supposed to be 120 miles um, over, over eight days uh, through Snowdonia National Park. Um, I listened to music on the first day and then I just, it just randomly just kind of went <clears throat> and I just didn't listen to any music for the rest of the, for the rest of the time. It was just so enjoyable to just be, you actually finish your day and you say, I can't actually remember what I was thinking about. Your mind is just completely clear, which is phenomenal. I think it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really unique. Yep. Absolutely. And from your circle of friends, not one of them uh, stood up and said, Hey, Peach, that sounds like a good idea. Can I, you mind if I, if I, if I go with you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> one of my mates came with me on a longer one. I hadn't seen him in quite a while. And he, and he was just like, what are you up to? And it was really good weather. We had like 25, 25, 26 degrees Celsius. Obviously it was a nice summer's day. And I said, oh, I'm going up to the Peak District and I'm, I'm going to do like a 20-mile hike. And he was like, awesome, I'm, can I come with you? And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. I said, have you got, like, see, I've got trainers, I've got gear, I've, I'm, I'll be cool, I'll be cool. I, was like, I said, well, yeah, let's do it. Um, and I think at mile 13, he, he did really start flagging and he managed it and he's fit. He was really fit. He's an ex-professional football, so soccer player. And... Um, and we, when we finished, he was absolutely done, like just completely shot. And then we had a two and a half hour drive back after that. And the next morning, he um, he was just like, I, he said, I don't know what it is, but I feel completely different. He said, I can't, he can't put my finger on it, but I feel, I just feel different. And even the next, that whole next week, he was just like, I can't believe it. He said, I am literally completely, everything's changed for me. And it was just, and he, you know, he's moved, he's moved to actually moved to the States. He's in New York now, but that was, and it is, and I think it just does it to you. And I think some people will either, I think it is like one of those things, you either love it or hate it. So it'll either change your life or you'll just, mm-hmm. it will change your life to the point of saying, yeah, yeah I ain't doing that ever again. Yeah. Um, We've had quite a few folks on the pod talk about the restorative aspects to nature and interacting with nature. And in fact, uh, Glenn Schweitzer, who's making a documentary about the AT, um, mm-hmm. really the focus of his of his film is the healing power of of nature and what kind of impact that has on on people. So, yeah, that that sounds very familiar. So, Peach, um, let's go back a little bit because. Uh, you said that you were going through a change in your life when you started uh, becoming interesting, interested in this uh, hiking and backpacking. You mind, you mind sharing what that change was or is that so, yeah, too personal? No, not, not at all. I think I'd, I'd split up with my girlfriend 
in June of that year, so June 2019. And I'd just been, I don't know, I think everything in my life, I was an ex, ex-professional golfer. So I turned, I was, I'm not an academic by any stretch of the imagination. Um, kind of I left school when I was 16 probably left school mentally when I was 14 um, because I was so interested in doing anything else but do, going to school um, and then moved to Germany when I was uh, 16. My dad uh, was a teaching professional and um, and that was kind of it and I'd, uh, I kind of moved moved to Germany, got into golf and went through that whole cycle of uh, you know getting into, into golf and that was primarily probably more to be closer to my dad because my parents had divorced and it was kind of reconnecting with him. And, and I was quite show promise, should I say, as, 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 you know, as a young teen starting golf and then tried out at ASU, Arizona state university, tried to get into that team. I could, didn't get a scholarship, but got invited into redshirt for a year. And then I ended up coming back to the, to, to Germany and actually turning, uh, turning professional when I was 19 and then played, played, you know, pretty much all over, over sort of the whole of Germany and sort of parts of Europe and, and got invited to some really cool tournaments. And then I ended up smashing my knee playing football. So soccer and tore both crochet, cruciate ligaments, tore lateral ligament off my bone for our operation, three pins in my knee. And that was it. So my kind of golf career ended and, I went into a little bit of a downward spiral kind of mentally for, for a little while. Cause it's like, well, what do you do? You know, you've left your whole life dependent on doing something with golf. And then that kind of, you know, when you're that age, I suppose, you know, you're 21 and you kind of just, you, you've everything that you're focusing on or wanting to achieve is kind of just boom, gone. Um, and I didn't really fancy being a teaching professional. I wanted to play. It was all about playing for me. Mm-hmm. So I move into Spain and then from that point again, because I didn't have any kind of real sort of qualifications academically, it was kind of sales, I guess. So do something in sales. And then I was in sales, moved to Spain, got into real estate, started doing that. And that all kind of was starting. It was really hard over there, really difficult. And then got into, got into that and then come, it started to get better. We ended up buying a, buying a, uh, an apartment, um, beautiful apartment, two bedroom apartment, south facing, and it just then two thousand and eight crash happened, so everything went you know completely tits up then, and then I ended up moving back to to the UK, stayed in real estate, and then kind of my whole focus after golf was all money driven. How can I make money, and how can I survive and work and And then it kind of took over me much as the hiking has done, I suppose. And I think that's just my character or my nature to kind of go to an extreme point. So if I want to do something, it's like be a professional golfer. If I'm going to do something, I need to be, Mm -hmm. I I always had that kind of, but I never knew it was kind of, you kind of that lost. I have no, I had no focus after golf as to where I was going with things. Well, that was a heck of a change. I mean, you're going from playing on uh, St. Andrews with uh, Rory McIlroy and Lee Westwood, <laughs> and uh, now it's all changed for you. So, you, yeah, you kind of, yeah, kind of drift uh, for a little bit. It is, and that's the that's the that's the more the dream of playing. You know, those kind right. of things, doing those kind of things. I mean, albeit like at ASU, I was 
played with like there was Paul Casey there, who's been a quality quality golfer, quality golfer. Yep. Um, Tim Mickelson, Phil Mickelson's brother, and they were all the, on the lesser the lesser known Mickelson. Tim, the lesser Tim, known who Tim actually, Mickelson. Tim Mickelson, really interesting story actually. Just real quick on this. Tim Wait, is he is he is he left handed or right handed? This is it. Yeah, Phil Mickelson is left handed golf right. Correct, and he goes by lefty. I'm wondering if his brother goes by righty. Right. Tim Mickelson is actually left-handed and plays. Oh, okay, right-handed. okay. So that is uh, so they're both completely, yeah, completely the opposite way around. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so it was that kind of thing, and I think my whole life was kind of these near misses of achievement of doing things. So golf was was you know almost there, and through every fault of mine, I shouldn't have been playing football, soccer, but I, you know did my knee then it's kind of you start getting everything starts turning around for you in in spain in real estate and then all of a sudden 2008 crash boom everything's gone start again moved lived uh, lived in in london and stayed at my sister's for a little while and then i stayed at a friend's house and lived on his uh, lived on his floor i had a, like a you know a mattress on my in a one-bedroom apartment stayed with him for two years and then slowly started to build up and build up again but it was all money focused, all money driven. And it was never, ne- even when I started to achieve certain goals or certain things that I wanted to achieve within that, it never really ended up feeling like I thought it would do um, in terms of, right, if I can, if I can earn this amount of money per annum, then, you know, that will be that and I can do this. And you start to try to get to that point and it never really satisfied. It was never anything of of substance and at least anyway for me it didn't really tick the box I thought it would and then it was kind of after I split up with my girlfriend and it kind of just got to the point of what am I doing I really need to I had no real death like I was so lost I think it was just complete lost in terms of I don't know where I'm going I'm trying everything too many things everything all over the place and then I think just the hiking and then I started getting into fitness more so and it was a conscious decision come January that January of this year to completely change what I'm doing and do something that's gonna mean something to me and go right you know sort it just go do something that you want to do and don't think about any financial gain from it just just go and do what you want to do and and then I started looking into personal training thought that that would be cool I wrote down a whole list of things I thought what what would I want to do if money was no object what would I want to do what can what what would you know you write loads of stuff down and personal training nutrition and and hiking were just the things I thought that's 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 it you know and then that kind of took me off this whole journey now of kind of doing that that was why I set up the Instagram account was to make myself more accountable for it to say I am that was the whole thing no hike to through hike and I'm gonna document this for me having never hiked have never done anything going through that that journey so a couple things to unpack right there first of all I want to point out that that uh, our make sure our listeners know that your Instagram handle is no hike to through hike with two being a number so no hike yeah. to through hike so make sure you check out his Instagram account it's fantastic but also it, it it seems like this was a almost a like a new year's resolution right 
first of the year comes and you're looking to make a change yeah. and you, you come upon hiking and that first week in, in January, if I've got my timeline right, you're making, you're making reservations for the JMT. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's like from zero to a hundred miles an hour. That, that's what's yeah, happening here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know completely <laughs> loopy. Um, <laughs> but I think it just, that's what, I think that's what life is really, isn't it? It's all about just mm-hmm. feeling. It's the closest feeling to, to really feeling alive, I guess it does. That makes you feel that adrenaline and, mm-hmm. I'm not an adrenaline junkie by any stretch. I ain't jumping out of no planes. I'm not doing a bungee jump. I'm not that kind of guy. Do you know what I mean? I feet on the floor, all good. Um, but it did, it really, it just got the belly, you know, the, the, the sort of the butterflies going and it, that, that adrenaline, that excitement of something to look, for, to look forward to and to experience something and to see things that, very small percentage of the world get to see really when you on the grand scheme of things when you look at how many people are out there to how many actually people are going to see things like you would do on the John Muir Trail or other trails to be to be fair now um obviously I was completely focused on the John Muir Trail but after having done what I've done now even and that's not a lot but it's still I think I've done just 480 miles this this year I I think you just see things that just this not a lot of people get to see. And I think that's the, that's just it's incredible. Really. Right. And I, I like the fact that you created this Instagram account with that uh, particular uh, Instagram handle, you know, no hike to through hike as a means of putting pressure on yourself. You know, you're publishing out, out into the world. Now you're putting out into the, into the universe that you're going to do this. And once you speak it, you know, you, it, it, thinking is, is all well and good, but until you speak it out loud, until you put it out into the universe, um, there's really not a lot of, of uh, impetus to get it done. So once, once you publish it, once you publish your, your desire to do something, that kind of puts added pressure on you to make sure that you follow through on that and get it done. So that's a, that's a great strategy. And we've, we've heard that from others uh, on the pod yeah. as well. 100%. And that was my, my first post was the email that I got from the Yosemite National, like the, the, the John Muir Trail um, confirmation. That was my first post. And then it just went from, went from there. So that was, but I think it's good. I think it's good to be, you can always hide behind things. You know what I mean? If you think, okay, I'm going to do that. And I think, again, if you don't have a big enough reason why you're doing it, and that why is really personal. So when it is, blowing a gale when it is really stormy weather and you don't feel like doing a three and a half mile drive to actually get somewhere worth hiking on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd never done that. I ever, you know, to think right on my Saturday, I'm working during the week, get up six in the morning, five in the morning, do a three and a half, four hour drive to where I need to go to, to then hike five, six hours to then drive the same day, four and a half, four hours back. And then, you know, feel like you're in, you're dying on the Sunday because you, <laughs> your legs are just like in bits. Because especially for me, I'd never done anything. So to do that was, and then it kind of, I think you need that underlying reason why you're actually doing this. Well, it, it can't be just a goal setting. The goal has to have a relevance to you, I think, to be able to, regardless of what happens to make that, that you, you just keep keep going, I guess. And we're going to go to a break here in just a minute. But before we do, I want to pose a question to Peej 
and I'll ask the question and, and he, he can answer it when we come back from the break. Here, here's the question, Peach, that uh, people, people take up hobbies and there's, there's a, a, a variety of hobbies to choose from. Some people, you know, take up bird watching. Some people take up bowling. Uh, some people, you know, going to write a book. But you chose uh, multi-day backpacking. And so I want to ask how you came to that realization. How did, how did you select multi-day backpacking and the JMT? How, how did you get there? And we're going to hear your answer when we come back from the break. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Mac from Halfway Anywhere, and you're listening to the John Freaking Mirror Pod. And welcome back. Right before the break, I posed a question to PJ, but before he answers that question, I want to uh, go back a little bit further in his history. We heard about his, uh, I think, late adolescence up through adulthood and his story there. But I I really want to talk about uh, growing up. Now, how many people were in your family? I know that you came from a a divorced family. Uh, Were there any kind of outdoor activities that kind of uh, laid the foundation for this this newfound obsession for you? I guess, I mean, uh, golf in itself is you're walking, you know, so I'm I'm used to walking and and carrying a carrying my, my, you know, my my, my clubs, my golf bag and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I guess it might be the attraction might have something to kind of have that feeling of maybe that connection with golf again, somehow to be walking with something on your back, like I used to. So you feel that, that some sort of familiarity without me necessarily realizing it um, from my parents, I, I, like from my mum and my, well, yeah, my stepdad, my, you know, they my dad as well, really, you know, to, um, they love they love hiking they love walking they do quite a, they're, they're i mean they're getting on a little bit now so the the walks have kind of reduced in length but they still they still smash out you know the the mileage on on a quite on a on a on a regular basis and they've done some long walks you know and they they've gone all over the place whenever they went on holiday they'd be hiking and um Colin, uh, he he loved it as well, and I used to. He, he's massively outdoorsy, and, and I guess that again is is something that you kind of pick up on. But it, it was, it's never been kind of a deep rooted thing. It was just that that, yeah. It just kind of, it just. I don't know. It's just one of those things that just happened. I guess there's your stars align, and you're drawn to certain to certain things, and I think that's kind of the without getting too funny on you, I guess like the laws of attraction and things that you kind of, the most things that are are most deep rooted and and things that you, you're on the same sort of wavelength, if you will, you attract that kind of thing. And I think, I think that's kind of, it led me into, into doing that and, and looking into fitness, looking into nutrition and they're all kind of combined. Really. It's all, it just, it definitely suits me as a person um and i've been in like i completely glowing after the first time i went hiking i was just astounded that i kind of walked for three and a half hours and the first one that i did and it was just like wow like that was really i, I couldn't believe it i i didn't think about anything 
it was, blew my mind like how you can just walk appreciate your surroundings and be completely alone in your thoughts without being bored and just thinking you know there's so many things that you kind of think oh hiking's boring oh you know why would you want to do it? but it's so not it's so it's a million miles away from anything like that it's so polar opposite it's exhilarating it's exciting it's you know fuel for the soul it, there's, there's, there's a whole heap of things that that are that you gain from that from from hiking massively for me at least anyway yeah, sometimes there are external forces that uh, influence us. You'll, you'll, you'll read a book, you'll, you'll see a movie, you'll watch a documentary, and you'll say, oh, yeah, that, looks, that looks like something I could get into. And other times, uh, it's just an internal voice that whispers to you and says, hey, what about this? And I've had, I've had guests on the pod that have come from both uh, experiences where they have seen something and gotten really wrapped up in it. And then other folks who were sitting in a cubicle in a, in an advertising agency, you know, working their way up the ladder and a voice says to them, you should backpack and their life changes in that instant. And so it's i uh, I'm always intrigued to hear what the backstory is on the inspiration and the motivation to, to get into this, exercise of uh if you've heard the the pod as, as i know you have you know the tagline is you know, embrace the suck i mean you put in yeah. a lot of tough hours out there tough days but uh you are rewarded with moments of just spectacular beauty a hundred percent i i think the when i really really think about it i think it's the craving for and i know this sounds bizarre but messy complete freedom and control of your life. And during those moments of when you're actually out hiking, if it's for, even if it's, if you're like, yeah, you know, you're a weekend warrior and you just get out a weekend and you've got no intention of, of doing something like on a multiple day or a through hike. I think you do have that sense of complete control over what you're doing. Cause it's just one step in front. You have a destination start point. You're constantly, and again, from a success point of view, you, you feel successful every single day when you, you've got from one point to the, to the next. You've got up a mountainside or you've, just, you've done this elevation and you've gone up you know, however many feet it is. And it's that sense of achievement every single time. And you've got continuous goals, and con, you know, continuous uh, obstacles that you need to overcome. And that is, it's just, yeah, very fulfilling. Yeah. Life, life kind of simplifies out there on the trail. You have, you have simple, achievable daily goals and you spend all of your time and energy uh, crossing those goals off. It is a very satisfying existence. Completely, completely agree. How does that compare to your work life? What, what What is your career right now? So I'm in sales. So I've, it's been, yeah, to the most part, real estate led. So either selling, selling or renting, letting houses to being on the photography side of things. So I've run a few businesses that are related to, you know, sort of doing real estate photography and then doing like the, the blueprints the floor plans and all of that kind of thing. And then going into the marketing side of things. And then now, 
I'm currently selling a payments platform, which is specific to the lettings industry. So again, real estate, um, it's like a banking platform. So software as a service, um, probably the hardest job I've ever done in my life, if I'm honest with you, in terms of it's a very expensive product. It's a phenomenal product, but it's a very expensive product in a very difficult market, mm-hmm. uh, especially right now. So do you have, in your career, do you have simple, daily, achievable goals? No, they're hard goals. Um, not very simple and <laughs> relentless um, and that's the thing, I, like, that's, again, it's kind of wanting to, that's where it becomes this kind of, it's so money focused. It's everything's about, you know, how can you do this? Like, let's make more money. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what I want. Like, yes, everybody needs to make money. And of course, money alleviates a lot of stresses and problems. Like you can, if you've got a problem, if you've got money, you can just write a check and that problem goes away. Like, you know, I've, ceilings like the shower's leaking you know am i do i have the money okay i'll pay somebody to go and do that the car's broken down i'm just gonna pay somebody to do it i've got you know this problem pay some these are all things but they're not fulfilling they they i think we've modern society gives you that sense of that money and they they mistake money for happiness and 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 being fulfilled when it has absolutely nothing to do with it you're not, it doesn't mean, but you, you, you're blinded by this thing that if I make this money, then I am now happy because I now have that, but you're not. And it's kind of shown that time and time again, you look at all the major actors, you know, like your uh, Heath Ledger's, your, your um, um, oh, was, um, what's the guy's name? Morgan Mindy, what's his name? Robin Williams. Robin Williams, one of the funniest guys in the world, most successful actors has all the money in the world, has everything that you could possibly from an outsider looking in, and he ends up committing suicide. I mean, that, not to go into this right now, but that, it just highlights for me that my, what my focus has been on it is it's never ending. It's a never ending. If you chase that, it's kind of like, it's all the wretch and no vomit. You, you never, you're never going to get there. Ever going to that's an interesting way of putting it. All the wretch and no vomit. Yeah, well, it is, isn't it? It's, you're never going to get there. It's never going to happen for you. You just, because you're constantly going for something that, that's ne- not going to, you have to, you always want more because it's, it's unfulfilling. That's why you want more. And as, with something like this, I think if you can find something that, that regardless of how, as small it is or insignificant it might be to other people if you can find something and you can actually master that and you can be good at it then you'll be for that'll give you a, a complete you'll be completely fulfilled by it but if you're really 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 good at it then there's certain things that you can then you know you can teach people you can talk about things about hiking you can you know do various different courses and, and lead do lead people on on hikes that maybe haven't hiked before and, and give them the, the opportunity to experience the same thing so I think for me, that was, that's kind of my, I thought just I need much shift my focus and again, that drives that. I've gone off a little bit on the tension here, but that kind of, it, it means that much. It really does. And that's, that's my why. And that's why I've decided this because it completely took me away from everything that I believe to be so important. And when you hit that realization that it means nothing, realistically speaking, yes, we need everything in that sense. And it is a money driven world, but 
it means it doesn't mean anything. And I think doing something like that has, I've never felt um, as fulfilled. There's certain things in your life that you want to kind of patch out and, you know, that you need to kind of complete to have that completeness. But um, I'm in a, such a good, good place and life is good regardless of where I'm at right now. You have your ups and downs and everything. But I th- and I do believe that that's a lot of that is, is through, through hiking. Yeah, well said. All of that, well said. Now, for our uh, aspiring hikers out there who may have just uh, listened to their inner voice and uh, on a lark, tuned into the John freaking Muir podcast and uh, are, are listening to this and thinking, you know, can I do that? Can I really get off the couch and uh, become a through hiker? Uh, I want to, I want to talk about a few areas uh, with you, PJ. Um, yeah. Number one, did you do any kind of research into like adventure media? Did you read any books? Did you watch any documentaries, uh, any YouTube videos to help yourself kind of get, uh, the required information, the base information that you felt that you needed about uh, hiking, backpacking, gear, trails, that kind of stuff. All the above, everything, yeah, 100%. Really? What, so what, yeah. What, what did you find to be the most useful? Um, I think it was, it was YouTube, I have to be honest. I, mm-hmm. find, I found because it, it was and not necessarily being – it was – for me, I kind of – I split everything into – first and foremost, it was that inspiration – I needed, and then it was like, okay, well, like, I need to see people doing what I want to, what, 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 what I have in my mind, what are they looking at, and what does that look like for them? And so it was more about watching, I mean, I'd spend hours, you know, not in necessarily in, well, yeah, again, in, yeah, in, 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 in one sitting, really. <laughs> um, but you'd be watching videos, you know, like an hour and a half, two hours long, of guys doing the JMT and guys doing the PCT and the, the AT continental vibe. And it just carried on and on. And the more you get into that, the more you, you find more stuff and just constantly find. And then you start reading blogs because then you get beyond a certain thing. And then it's like, okay, now I need to listen to like read blogs, um, maybe buy some books on certain things. And then, on trails so you know i got the the john muir trail that's a this and, and just maps and then all of a sudden you have an obsession with maps even though i had no idea how to read the bloody things it was just still that you know kind of thinking like i need i need a compass don't know how to use a compass but i need a compass and and you just start going off on tangents in little things and your focus shifts onto then gear and then you're looking at gear videos and then reviews and i think then it just goes into a whirlwind of like just absorb 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 yeah. absorb is, is it all just is it too much to kind of pick through and remember a particular uh video or youtube channel or blog that was really most helpful? I, forget the guy's last name. I forget the guy's last name now and I'm, i'll probably do him a disservice if i john and it's an italian name italian last name that was the first jmt video that i saw okay uh, I think it's like Ambrosini or something like that. Um, and he did a, a, it was JMT that he did 2015, 16, I think it was. And it was northbound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just blew me away. I was just, I think I'm, I actually watched that probably about four times. 
So now, yeah, it's about an hour and 40 minutes. And that whole, that led me then to start looking at, okay, where's he going on going northbound and start writing everything down, mm-hmm. like writing everything and then checking it out on a map and then using that and putting it on a spreadsheet. Thought, okay, that looks cool. I need to do that. I want to see that. And then you kind of go into that and that's how that all then starts. And then looking at all of your different, and this was before it even applied. Did you, did yeah. you enjoy the, the prep and the planning piece of Loved it? it. Loved because it. I think that is, that is, um, that's the exciting bit. That is a very exciting bit. I don't know if I'm not, I'm not going to say it's just as exciting as being on the trail, but there is a lot of joy that comes uh, to people who are planning for their through hikes and are mapping out where they're going to be, you know, what the mileage is going to be, what the campsites are going to be, how they're going to do the resupplies. That, that is, that is just simple hiking glory in, in the prep and, and uh, just very, very rewarding all by itself. Yeah, definitely. I just, I mean, I was up till silly o'clock, you know, you just constantly, it was just, and it's a beautiful thing because it really, when it grabs hold of you in that sense, then you should just let it go mm-hmm. and just in, and embrace that whole, you know, the, 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 this, this, this new found, I guess, love for, for something and interest and once you then combine that with then going, actually going out and hiking and you then have a completely, your whole mindset shifts into, okay, what do I want to achieve? And what am I actually looking at? Okay. How are my shoes? What am I, what, like I had trousers on and I quickly realized even in England, I didn't want to wear any trousers. Like I wanted to wear shorts. It was just, even though it was like, I, one of my walks uh, that I went on hikes, I went on the, um, it was blowing a gale. It's like I said, it was like, I think it was Storm, Storm Dennis. <laughs> Storm Dennis. And I was walking and, and they were all had, you know, the waterproofs on and looked like they were dressed for winter. And I rocked up in, in my shorts and just a, a raincoat. And this one woman looked at me and she said, is it summer where you've come from or what? Like, it just, <laughs> but it was just the way it, and I've, I still, I, I can't walk now with trousers. I just find it really... Bizarre. Like as long as I'm warm, my hands are warm, my head's warm, body's warm. I much prefer having shorts and just feeling a bit more open to it. So, yep. And I want to propose something to you in, in that um, no matter how many videos you watch, uh, how many documentaries you watch, or blogs that you read, you think you have an idea of what it's like, but but you don't. You don't. I, I thought I had an idea of what it was going to be like when I was out on the trail, and I it was totally different from, you know, the reality was totally different than what was in my mind. And I'm so glad that I've been able to do uh, sections, you know, of, of the JMT more than once, because the first time you go through, I think you miss something uh, just because you're so, you know, you're, you're so enthralled about this being the first time and, and uh, being able to do it multiple times really, I think deepens the experience. So, um, you know, I watched mile, mile and a half. Have you seen that one? No. So it was a documentary on the JMT. They had a film crew that uh, went through and hiked the JMT with all of their camera equipment. So they're carrying, I don't know, 70, 80 pounds worth of equipment. And it was really well done. It gave a really good look at what the the JMT is like. And uh, the title was was pretty funny because it's the most commonly used answer for any question related to (laughs) how much further or how, how much longer. 
uh, <laughs> the hiking questions out there. And the yeah. response is always a oh, mile, mile and a half. So yeah. I, I thought that was really clever. But uh, even having watched that um, didn't, didn't prepare me for what it was really like. I bet. So. I bet. Yeah, I can't wait. I really, I'm, I mean, I'm going to definitely apply again. 100%. Yeah. So my mom and half is good. Also, you can check out the John freaking mirror pod uh, YouTube channel. It's got some good videos on there. And we, we devoted it, I think seven or eight episodes to sections of the JMT. We talked about uh, our experiences on the trail, starting point, ending point, campsites, uh, elevation change, and just good fun stories from the trail from uh, the guys that I went with. It was, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, they're just, and there's a, there's a, there's a good amount out there. I think it's just, you need to find the, the, the people that are doing it and connect with them. I think that's the, because there are lots of other ones out there where you just kind of get maybe five, 10 minutes in and you think, ah, oh, I'm not going to be watching this. Um, or, you know, it's good, but then it's, I think it's just connecting with the people that, are, you know, either their voice or the way that they're expressing, like, however they're delivering, whatever it is they're delivering. I think that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? To, to buy into that. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. So you did your deep dive, you did your research into all kinds of blogs and, and videos and YouTube channels. Now let's talk about the gear that you got. And I want, you mentioned in the first segment about uh, these shoes that were not a good decision. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about what you put on your feet and why they were bad and what you got instead after that. And I also want to hear about, you know, the rest of your gear in terms of your pack, your tent, your sleep system. What, what did you, what did you get? Uh, I, there's a place called mountain warehouse and it's kind of, I'm not going to say budget, but it's kind of a kind of every, it is a bit of a budget store. They've got some good stuff in there. Don't get me wrong. The, you, you know, they've got good base layer stuff in there that you could get quite cost effective and that are good but i think i can't remember even what the name of these things were probably a no-name brand and they were and i'd seen kind of the the trail runners that a lot of you know people wear in the u.s and again i was mentally going to do the jmt so i'm thinking okay what is everyone wearing over there because that's what i'm doing so i kind of and then i thought i definitely don't want these boots um before you get much further did do you guys have rei over in uk no we don't have you heard of rei i've heard of rei yeah of course yeah rei is short for recreational equipment inc and it's my my favorite uh place to waste uh two three hours uh, in an afternoon so yeah stuff there yeah i mean i i am so familiar on the on the u.s um kind of hiking stores and 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 i was gutted when i was searching for stuff why they don't have this stuff over here like i can't even order it you know it's it was annoying it really 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 was uh so you kind of have to think a little bit and try to find an alternative to that Mm -hmm. um but yeah mountain warehouse is not an rei i can guarantee you that it's kind of it's not great um and that's no disrespect to them by the way i'm not trying to diss them in any way because there are some good stuff in there but anyway the the yeah these i think they were like 30 pounds so it can't have been like what 40 dollars 50 dollars and they look good they're waterproof um not boots kind of sort of like a trainer shoe type thing okay and then i did the um penny fan which is like in wales that was my first 
real proper kind of hike, I guess. Um, that was 13 miles. I think it was the first one that I did. It was about 13 miles. And um, these things are just horrible. Like the soles that you could... I don't even know what went through my head when I even bought the things. I don't even I just looked at them with a hiking shoe. Why? Rather than just actually looking at it and testing the sole. But you could just, I, you could feel every little pebble stone under your feet. They were waterproof and then it was wet. So then foot got, you know, water in there because it's all squelchy. And then the water's not going anywhere because it's all in your shoe. I'm constantly trying to empty. Anyway, nightmare. I just bought and then cotton shirts and I'm sweating and then took off my top and then all of a sudden I'm like freezing so I have to put it back on again and then I'm like shaking for like 20 minutes before my body heats up and then I've got this cold wet cotton t-shirt so again that kind of thought okay definitely don't be wearing cotton like try and find like something like a sports top or like a bamboo looked into that and got all that kind of stuff um but yeah so then I it was the ultra lone peaks. I think they were the kind of the big thing for me. And they, uh, that's what I ended up going with. And that's what I've had for the last 480 miles that I've done this year so far. So what, yeah, say, they, say that again. What, what did you end up with? Ultra lone peak. Oh, okay. Yeah. The ultras. Yeah. 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 yeah, got it, yeah. Got it. It was a 4.0 that I went with. Obviously they've got the 4.5s now. Um, but yeah, the 4.4.0 ultras, and they're just, they were like, it was zero drop. So it, was, it took me a little bit of a while to get used to that. My calves were like, what is going on? Like they're really, yes. I, I really I know felt the feeling. I've got, I've got some ultras. I had the same, the same uh, sensation at the beginning, but I love them. I love them now. Uh, they're amazing. Yeah. You have to, when you're, when you're, when you are doing your research and getting your trail shoes, if you're going to do a trail shoe and not a boot, I prefer, I prefer trail runners or, or trail yeah. shoes rather than a boot. Uh, you really need to make, you, like you said, you need to bend the sole and see how stiff it is, see how firm it is, because you don't want to be feeling every rock and no. pebble, like you said. And that's the beauty. They, I mean, they've got the stone guard in there. They've got the whole, I mean, it's it's like well, when you first get them, I mean, now they are getting a little bit more, like I definitely need a new pair, um, which I'm kind of looking forward to, if I'm honest with you. Um, but that whole, but like buying the gear as well, that's a part of, that's so exciting. Like I can't wait, it's, it's arriving. Is it, when's it arriving? And, but yeah, it's like walking on a cloud, like with those stuff. Like it was the first time walking, using those, and then they get wet, but then the merino wool socks with, with, with those, even if your feet are wet, you don't really feel, the feet, your feet don't get cold. Mm-hmm. You don't really feel anything. They kind of, the water just come like just you know drains out of them because they've got all those little perforated bits on the side so yeah love the ultras massive fan all right what did you end up with for a pack so i went with the osprey exos 58 mm-hmm. um which is yeah i think that's what 2.5 pounds like that's just the natural like weight it's really is i mean it's lights framed it's got a frame obviously on there Mm-hmm. Um, again, looking at all of the other packs out there, you've got the Z packs and just different variations of those kind of uh, those type of packs, but they're crazy money. Um, for starting out, at least, I'm pretty sure you know that I'd probably as things go on. But the Exos 58, and I love it. I thought it was a really it's down there. I mean, it's 
just a great pack. I really, really like it. And I, our, yeah. our listeners, our listeners can't see what just happened, but I just want to relate to them. He, PJ, look, looked down and off to the side in a very lovingly fashion at his his pack <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's just down there. <laughs> Yeah, Osprey Osprey is a very popular brand, and they do a great job with packs. I know my my buddy Chopper has a has an Osprey and just swears by it. Um, I'm probably dating myself right now, but I got I found a great deal on a uh, Granite Gear uh, Crown sixty Crown two sixty. I think it it's called. Uh, okay. Very it's it's lightweight, uh, less less of a frame than than the the Osprey, um, mm-hmm. and I wish it had I wish it had some. Um, little packs on the belt the belt uh loop it doesn't have yeah. it so I, I if i if i want to get anything i either have to wear a fanny pack to to have easy access to it or i've got to take my pack off and dig through stuff but it's a very lightweight pack and has done has done great for me same here like i've had to wear one of those because they, they don't on, on the osprey ones they don't have the little pouches on them not on this one at least on yeah. they might have been on previous models i'm not sure mm-hmm. But they don't. They don't have it. But it's just easy to grab into the water. The the way that the pockets are kind of cut in there, and yeah, it's a great pack. Rides really well. Nice. How about a tent? Do you do tent, a tarp, or you do do you do cowboy camping? No, it's a freestanding cowboy camp. No, <laughs> it's a freestanding. It's the Big Agnes, um, uh, the, the, the Fly Creek, Fly Creek UV. Um, I think it's the high volume HV UL2. So it's a two man, but I mean, you've got to be really good, good, good to either cl- just good friends, close. Really close friends, yeah. Real close to, to <laughs> one of these. I, I mean, it's a small two man tent, but it's mm-hmm. perfect and it's super light. And again, probably weighs about the same as my pack. Yeah. Big uh, Agnes so, is another another solid choice, another, another good brand. Yeah. And um, again, that was. Or more so American sort of, sort of like things that you, you kind of look at or U.S. kind of ways of looking at like things that you, you know, guys use for hiking. Um, and it was amazing that I could actually put the or dismantle the tent from the inside, either put it up or take it down when it was raining. So not have to come completely get out. Like I could unclip the inside, make sure that the inside was all wrapped up and dry you know, before I then took out the outer, outer layer of it. And, and the, the frame of it is just literally just all, like just opens up and, and just super easy to use. So that was, yeah. Um, yeah, you know what I've gone to recently? I just, just got it. I haven't actually taken it out and used it yet because I've, I've gotten it just since my last trip, and that is uh, Outdoor Research Helium Bivy. Okay. Are you familiar with bivvies? I am, yeah. It's like I a am. cocoon, yeah. basically, yeah. So I've got uh, I've got that, and I've got a great sleeping pad and a uh, a quilt, trying to to you know maintain that that lightness and, and avoid carrying any extra weight. So uh, you probably well, yeah. get a little claustrophobic in there, but um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I think you've got to, I think if you're in hiking for a while, I think then you might start experimenting with different types of tarps or bivy or different sorts of things. But for me at the moment, I think the big Agnes is, uh, it's, it's good enough, you know? How about your, how about your sleep system? I actually, I've gone, so that was something that I could not struggled with, but I guess the, the, the sleeping pad 
was my main sort of con- not concern, but it was definitely something that I kind of looked at and I forget the name of the thing now, but it was the Thermarest. I didn't buy this one, but there was a, it was a, is it the Neo Air Thermarest? It's like a yellow one. Looked really good. Everybody raved about it. Um, is, it the, is it the foam, the foam pad? Not the foam is, pad. Is it, it blow up? Blow up. Okay. Um, I forget what, anyway, but I, I looked at it and I came across that at the, one of the stores I went and it sounded like a crisp packet when you lied on it. Oh, <laughs> yes. And I thought, do you know what? I thought, I don't care how, many, how people are raving about this pad right now because it's super small, super light. And everyone's saying, yeah, the R rating in terms of like, I can't remember what it was now, 4.2 or something stupid like that, and now 4.5. Um, but they were like, yeah, the R is super warm. Uh, but it sounds like a packet of crisps. Just... <laughs> so that is going to do my nut. Like I'm going to go crazy listening to that at night. Yeah, and then, I, I have to tell you, I have to jump in here because one of the guys that we did our original JMT hike with, he had one of those. Uh, I don't know if it was the exact brand, but he had a sleeping pad that made all kinds of noise. Anytime he moved in his tent, yeah. it got so bad that we get to a campsite and I would wait to see where he set up his tent and I would go to the opposite end of the campsite because there's no way I was going to listen to another night of him tossing and turning. It was brutal. Yeah. The nightmare. Like, and everybody's raving about it. And I thought, you deaf. Like, why do you not, and nobody mentions the noise about this thing. They're like, they're, they're, it's super light, super compact, super comfy. I'd never travel without it. And then I'm thinking, you failed to mention that this thing has got, you need like earplugs to, to lie on this thing. Cause I, like, I don't know how you're yeah. doing it. So I ended up, anyway, I went for the answer your question, C to summer Etherlite uh, XT. It's insulated one. I actually went for the women's large um it was i mean i'm what five nine so it's kind of i didn't need a huge 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 pad mm-hmm. um the, and the, also the women's large was wider than the men's regular and i thought i needed a bit more i i preferred a bit more sort of space to put my arms down what do you, what do you think know. that what do you think that the manufacturer is saying about the difference between men and women there? I'm not I'm not I'm sure. Not, like, yeah. But it was just but it really like it's and it just it worked a treat, you know? Um yeah, nice. I really like it and I was I thought I'll I'll give it a go. I could always send it back if it doesn't kind of doesn't kind of work. Um but it was yeah, it was absolutely absolutely spot on. And then I went for the um Cedar Summit again uh quilt so again, I didn't want a sleeping bag. Not necessarily weight. I think weight is obviously a thing um, that you become more and more conscious of as you're as you're putting your stuff together. And, and once you start doing more and more hikes, you start realizing I don't really want to be carrying as much as that. If I can cut weight, I'll cut weight. I mean, I'm not to the extreme of cutting little little ties off my bag to make it that tiny little one ounce lighter than it possibly you know i'm not that crazy you're not drilling not drilling holes through your toothbrush no i did cut the edge off though <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh stupid little things but i mean like, i don't know but yeah i've seen people do that drilling holes into it just to like i mean great um but that's just the that's the beauty of hiking i guess as well you can do those, those kind of thing but that was the uh, sea to summit 
Ember EB2 uh, quilt, and I think it's a 30, 30, yeah, 30 Fahrenheit, is that about right? Mm -hmm. So I think that was the one I went for, and that was perfect for me. Um, just didn't want to feel all cocooned. I like to have a little bit of flexibility. Um, totally agree. Totally agree. And it's bizarre. Like, and again, again, I've done the research on it, and the the, the actual insulation part of where you're lying on on a, on a sleeping bag is completely gone once you lie on it because the insulation properties are gone because you're actually just you're flat. So as long as you've got a sleeping pad and something on top of you, and I was warm. Really warm. Can we, yeah, it was really good. Yep. Um, and then it's the Trekology. I've got it actually here. Yeah. Uh, Trekology, my sister got me that um, pillow. So again, I had the Sea to Summit uh, Aero Light one, which I took. And then my sister got me that, the Trekology one. And I thought, I have to take that because I've got to let her know how it was kind of thing. And then first night I slept on it. And then I never even tried out the the seat to summit one hour found it that good and that comfy and it was quite a big pillow as well yeah, a bit bigger than the the seat to summit i've got the trichology pillow too it's 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 awesome brilliant absolutely brilliant so i've i've got the seat to summit aero like eros pillow never used it never used it once and the trichology i was just like yeah, that doesn't this is perfect really comfy we're going to go to another break here in just a second. But before we do, I want to see if I can pin PJ down on his can't live without item uh, from his, from his kit. Any of the items that you've currently mentioned, uh, you previously mentioned or something that you haven't mentioned, what do you have to take with you when you go out? On a day hike or would you say, are you talking like a multi-day? Multi-day. That's a really difficult question, you know. Uh, if multiple things really I'm a quite <laughs> there's quite a few must-haves for me I really got attached to my trekking poles which I never thought I would yeah that's a that that is a common feeling where you know newbie hikers, novice hikers will say, you know, why I don't need poles. I'm gonna I'm gonna look funny. I'm afraid I'm gonna look funny if I've got poles. People are gonna look at me and say, why does that guy have poles? And yeah. those are so great to have in terms of when you're going uphill and downhill. Massively, they, uh, they are a a huge difference. I think that using both for for going up and down, but then and it only this happened just because I fell over. I can't remember what day it was now, but I, it was, I think it was day day two. I fell over. I was foot walking down. It was quite steep. I'd taken a bit of a wrong route, fell over and tried to obviously stop myself falling and bent the bottom half of of the um, of the trekking pole and tried to like bang it straight again. And anyway, point being is the one of them didn't actually, I managed to straighten it out, but I couldn't get it back in. So I couldn't actually put that into my packs to, to when I want, if I didn't want to have one at all. So I ended up just having one of them put in, into my pack on the side here and I ended up just using one. And then I actually, that was all I ended up doing. So it was only really when I really needed to go up steep or down steep that I would actually apply both. But as a rule, I just then had one, but that was through just default because of the way that I couldn't put it back in. So I ended up using one and loved it. 
PJ, um, if I if I had been with you on that on that trip, I would have given you the trail name of Tripod. Tripod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was that was. I mean, trekking poles, platypus, the gravity. That was absolutely. I don't think if I. That's what I'm saying. There's so many little things like battery pack lifesaver like seven days worth of battery charge on there especially the way that i was kind of doing things i mean the trekology pillow you against little things like that that you kind of think about but the platypus four liters every single day on an evening bosh get your four liters you've got enough uh, for your for your dinner for your food you've got water in the next morning you know you've got two liters for the evening two liters for the next day I had a little um, Sawyer as well, just in case I needed to, like emergency kind of thing. But the Platypus was that gravity system. Absolutely. Yeah, the gra- gravity filter is so much better than having to, uh, you know, do a squeeze bag or uh, any kind of filter that requires some kind of pump. I mean, just letting gravity do the work is is awesome. Yeah, I think that's, that is definitely surprisingly one of my most favorite items definitely mm-hmm. and favorite food on the trail what's your favorite dinner on the trail um i really i i had uh we've got this thing over here it's called summit to eat um and again it's like dehydrated foods and there was um i think it was the potato and beef stew was phenomenal that was a lovely absolutely and i took some parmesan and i took a bit of biltong you know like beef jerky put a bit of that in there um i mean i had some luxury i'm way too much food by the way <laughs> but i could have eaten for, for weeks and weeks the amount of stuff that i took way too heavy i had like five kilos worth of food and it was just just crazy amounts of all sorts like peanut butter sachets uh, olive oil sachets and all sorts of this little, wow. little bit uh, yeah I, I was I went kind of probably a bit too um but you never know it's your first time doing it so you want to I thought I'd rather be oversupplied um rather than doing it my first time and then thinking oh I wish I had that I'd rather be like oh next time that ain't coming with me that was far too much <laughs> right uh, that's exactly it yep. yeah we, I, I have kind of varied my eating system um, so that I take maybe half of the dehydrated meals and then I'll take half, half of my meals will be like ramen and tuna packets. Do you know what ramen is? I do. Top ramen. And tuna, and tuna packets that don't have them over here. Spam. Oh. Spam, tuna packets, all the things that I'm thinking, right, you know, again, yeah everything that I kind of resupply points and things that I was thinking of buying or mm-hmm. having sent to for the JMT mm-hmm. did not exist and do not exist over here. You cannot buy tuna in a packet unless you want to buy cat food. Um, and then there's this, <laughs> you know, which I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> and then spam, you can't, it's all in tins. I'm not, I'm not going to carry a tin around though. Yeah. I, it, it oh, really Trying to trying to supply yourself in England is like uh, you know being required to hike uh, with only one trekking pole. You're at a real disadvantage. 
exactly. <laughs> so there was, I, and it was a bit too late. By the time I'd cottoned on to the fact that you couldn't actually buy those things over here, there was somewhere I thought, okay, I can actually, I can get the, I could get hold of them, but then it would like take potentially two weeks for them to arrive. And at that point, I was already going, you know, doing my my actual the one that I ended up doing, like a snow down your way. Um, but yeah, I learned loads of little things. I mean, I took the seat to summit start, uh, seat to summit, the summit to eat dehydrated foods. And then I put all that into a Ziploc bag and then made, I ended up making that thing, uh, to put them in so I could keep it, um, pour it in the Ziploc. So it just kind of describe that, describe that to our listeners who can't see what you're holding up there. So this is like, it's a windshield sun visor that kind of material that i've kind of used like duct tape and kind of put it into it's like a little wallet and then you just fill up your ziploc bag with just hot water which i have the the jet boil filled that up with hot water sealed that off and then just put it in here and sealed it off and just chucked it by the side and actually ate it out of here um with the Ziploc bag in and it just, it a, reduces the weight of the actual bags. And that is crazy. I didn't even think, but it was like literally, I can't remember how many hundred grams, but it was a significant difference to actually having the, 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 what the food comes in. I know you've got like, um, not mountain, what's it called now? The, the food that you get over in the States mountain. Uh, there's several, several different brands, but I know, yeah. Different I know what about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the packs that they, the aluminium packs, they're really heavy. They are quite heavy. So when you actually decant those and put those into a little Ziploc bag, you're saving a quite a lot of weight. But then it's like, okay, well, how do you actually keep that hot when you're doing it and, and hold it as well whilst you're eating it without burning your hand? So I looked online. I kind of made one of those little So little it's your, co- your cooking container, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you let it, yeah. let it, you put the hot water in there and you... Yeah, you, you let it soak. Very good. Very ingenious. Eight eight minutes and just let it, and it keeps it nice and hot, and it makes it a lot easier to eat it out of. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah, loads of little things. I put a load of duct tape around my um, trekking poles at the top, just in case I needed that. So I've got that run taking a big roll of it. All, all the tricks. Look at you. Very good. Yeah. Very good. All right. Hey, let's let's uh, let's cut to a quick break. I know that it is like three thirty six in the morning where you are right now. Are you okay for another uh, maybe 20, yeah. 30 minutes? I'm good. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's all good. All right. you, got, you got your coffee? You're, you're doing all right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Gabe. Hey, I'm Kevin. This is the John freaking Muir pod. And we listen to this podcast to get ready to fast pack the JMT in under six days. And welcome back. Okay, we've taken a break. We've gone through all your prep, um, most of your prep, I should say, because I want to go back to the spreadsheet that you put together. I know you said you had kind of you had it planned out. uh, for southbound or for northbound, depending on which permits you got. So I want you to pick one of those, one of those directions, northbound or southbound, and just take us through. You know, how many days did you allot 
for the trip? What was your kind of planned on mileage per day? And let's go through some of your campsites. I want to hear where you were thinking about camping. So, um, I mean, I originally started, I went northbound because that was kind of the first video that I, that I that I'd seen um, was northbound. And, and because it was the first one I'd ever seen, I, I didn't realize that there was a set sort of, it was only later by doing research that I found out that, you know, that it was the Yosemite Valley that is kind of where you, you, you kind of started and then went down south. That's the original route. But um, the first one was starting at Horseshoe Meadow. Okay. And then going from there, that was the trailhead. And then Cotton Cottonwood Creek, uh, Rock Creek, Timberlane Lake. Um, so they're the first sort of three three days. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, mileage? 30. What was the approximate mileage in between those so, uh, campsites? Um, 13 miles, then it was nine miles. Day four was the Summit Whitney. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it was, yeah, Cottonwood Creek, 10,200 feet, Rock Creek, 9,700 feet, Timberlane Lake was 11,080 feet, um, obviously then 14,505 was Whitney, Bighorn Plateau, uh, Vedetta Meadow, Vedette Meadow, so that's the Bighorn Plateau, that was 21 miles, yeah, and then 14. I shouldn't say if when when you do the JMT, you have to camp camp at uh, Bighorn Plateau. That uh, that's somewhere that I wanted to hit on both trips, and uh, for one reason or another, we just we didn't make that destination. We we hiked through it the next day, but it seems like an epic place to hike uh, to camp. So it looks amazing. I think that they they were the kind of definitely the points that kind of I looked at for wow. That's got to be a point, um, and to get there from 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 Whitney was obviously that's twenty one miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vidette uh, Meadow, then Resupply Onion Valley. So mm-hmm. you have to kind of then walk. I think that was quite a big detour um, for that to get off there. To I think it was about a four mile kind of detour to go down Resupply, and they have the boxes. I think. Yeah, you go up over Kearsarge and down into Onion Valley. Pick up supply and then head back. Yeah. Head back. Um, Heart Lake, uh, 13 miles. Dollar Lake. Hey, Peach, Peach, I'm going to commit to you right now. I'll be your trail angel when you do your JMT hike. I'll, uh, really? I'm, that. I'm, I'm only a few hours away from Onion Valley. I'll drive up and I'll, I'll hike in your resupply. So oh, you're I'll, a legend. I'll, say, I'll save you the miles. Oh, what a legend. I'll hold you to that. You better. <laughs> <laughs> give me a reason to get out yep yeah um thank you um yes dollar lake then that was 12 miles upper basin 18 miles grouse meadow 16 miles evolution lake yes yep 16 miles resupply mtr had yep. to do that mm-hmm. hot springs um so how many days is that? how many days is that so far you've gone from uh and- you say ten days. Ten days. So you're about the halfway point at MTR. Halfway point MTR. Yeah. Mutual Ranch. Again, so sixteen miles. Uh, Marie Lake. That was eight miles. So a bit of a shorter day. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Pocket Meadow. 
16 miles either bell hot springs 16 miles and again obviously descending now so everything is going from i mean what well, everything from whitney going on that point is is starting to yeah, you would think it's you would think it's descending but uh, there's still, there's, well, in elevation, in elevation in terms of where you're at, but obviously not in terms of the actual general hike day to day elevation. That's right. There's still daily up, to, up and down. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and then where are we? Yeah, resupply, then again, Red's Meadow. Um, and they are 14 miles, Garnet Lake, uh, 15 miles, Lyle Canyon. Mm-hmm. 15 miles cathedral lakes 13 miles half dome i actually got a half dome permit as well um got it man oh um, man you hit you hit the lottery twice and you couldn't collect your winnings exactly i know oh. golden ticket uh and then yeah uh little little yosemite um valley uh yosemite valley and that's the final one and that was that whole thing that was 20 days and that came in at 273 273 miles uh, over that period and I thought the days were I thought they were yeah I mean there was some some longer days some shorter days and you know some you never know how you I mean I I can only imagine now but I think the first even when I did my 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 version of my own personal first sort of through hike it was day three where all of a sudden all the burning in my legs stopped and I just felt crazy strong. I've never, ever in my life felt like that. Mm-hmm. They were, I was just marching and it was just, I was going uphill, downhill, through all sorts of terrain. Didn't feel a thing, like in the legs. You know, the feet are getting sore. You start feeling certain things that, you know, you think, well, actually, I'm, that, that's, you feel a little, you know, your hips are a little sore. My sh- Tell you one thing that I that I that I never thought I would ever experience, and or the, even conceived to be a problem, was my shoulders from the pack weight mm-hmm. from here, right? In just it was absolutely your traps were just in bits. Like I, the next morning, I was just like, oh, oh. like it's just super super sore, and I had like tiger balm, and I'm rubbing that in. I'm having ibuprofen, and I mean I definitely needed more ibuprofen <laughs> that was that was um but yeah so that was that was pretty much that and then in in, in page page on your on your shoulder straps that come yeah. over your, the front of your shoulder here you've got a couple of yeah. straps up high that uh, are attached to your the main straps they're they're kind of laying on top you know you can pull yeah. those to adjust you want the pack as tight to your back as possible so you can adjust that here and then also down by your hips there's a couple of other straps that you can pull up that also make that adjustment it kind of kind of well it kind of it, it pulls the pack so it's tight against your back if if the pack is hanging off your back that's going to be a problem in the long term it took me uh, it was it, again it was on the third day so of not only the getting my, my legs, if you will, but also understanding how this pack works. Right. Um, and how to pack it. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't packed it. I hadn't, you know, when you're repacking, it's like where you're distributing the weight and putting your food. So try to put the food more in the center rather than having it at the bottom or at the top. So it's kind of, you, you, you know, you're all over the shop. So that was kind of, and then that kind of 
dis- you know that disappeared and that they become yeah once you get used to understanding little parts of the thing oh that feels like amazing it was just like whoosh, whoa you know it's completely different um so that was yeah so that was the that was my route for that one. Yeah, I like how we don't have to go through both routes, but um, I like no, no. how you had not only the mileage, but you had the altitude. Uh, all that's very important in, in planning out because you know you kind of want to set yourself up at those campsites so that you are uh, going to make your ascents early in the morning and you're not climbing late in the day. So there's a lot to kind of include in your your planning. Sure, like river crossings as well, like because it was June, late June. I thought, okay, if there is snow up there, then, you know, if it's a snow season or whatever, then you, you, the lakes are going to become more rapid, if you will, like later in the day as the sun. So if I did have any of those to try to plan that, so if I was going to do any river crossings, that it would be early as opposed to later in the day. And um, I made a whole, yeah, I mean, I, I went nuts on spreadsheets and... <laughs> Like all the different things, equipment, equipment that I needed, and yeah, uh, mile markers, elevation gains, time estimates, gradients. I put even even the, I put even put in the gradients on one of these spreadsheets. Wow, that was when I got a little bit new army pass as well. I wanted to, I definitely wanted to do all that kind of stuff, and so I put all the path. I think there was thirteen. Yeah, Pincho Pass. You can definitely go down the rabbit hole in planning for these trips. Yeah. And, that's, <laughs> and, and again, that's part, that's part of the fun. That's, that's part of the, yeah. uh, the excitement, part of the journey. So I know you haven't done the trail, but I want to, I want to, I want to do a top five list with you on your top five uh, most anticipated points on the John Muir trail from all of your research uh, leading up to this. What, what were you looking forward to the most? You could definitely pin it down to five. I think Half Dome was definitely on the list because that was that was day kind of well, yeah day one I guess you kind of um, I forget the there's a certain place where you have to camp on the first night so from Little Yosemite I think you had like it was like eight miles yeah and you have to stop there overnight backpack, backpackers camp yeah that was the one yeah um, and then to then go off and do like Half Dome uh, so Half Dome was definitely definitely one. Um, MTR was definitely a place where I just thought, you know, you've got to, got to do that. And I think they have the hot springs there just over. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember. There was another, what's the other place called now? I think you can, it's a toss. You can either MTR or the VVR. VVR. Yeah. So I didn't quite, but I think MTR was the one that I, I, I decided that was, Definitely the the one of the ones I wanted to. I've made some notes here. One second. It's been a while since I've kind of. Now some of our some of our uh, JMT listeners out there might might say, "Hey, Pete, you, you shouldn't make uh, the resorts the the days uh, where you're going to take a break from the trail. That shouldn't be the highlights of the trail. What are your, what are your highlights from the trail? Yeah, I think like um, the is it Thousand Island Lake. Yeah, really was looking forward to that. Yeah, good choice. Um, yeah, I mean, Bighorn Plateau again was mm-hmm. one. 
the new army pass I definitely wanted to have done that but again that was kind of more the northbound I don't know if it was a northbound route because it does take you off slightly different I think I think it's even is it off the JMT or is it on the JMT it's off the JMT it is off the JMT isn't it yeah um so that was more of a, a northbound thing but I really really kind of I kind of fancied that um yeah you're really going to enjoy evolution lake evolution valley evolution lake yeah and all those those are nice and then uh, up by uh up by um, um muir pass you have the muir hut but you also yeah. have just below just below that you have wanda lake which i thought was a, a very beautiful okay. location yeah um i think then what else did i have on here evolution lake yeah, Marie Lake, and it just, I think it was more the lakes. I think I wanted to be, like, camping around those kind of, not necessarily for fishing, um, but just because I think of the, to camp and have that and wake up and be, you know, obviously you've got, like, the mosquitoes and midges and all those kind of things that you need to be a bit wary of, but I was kind of, I'd got over that point. <laughs> I that it would be fine. Uh, but I definitely wanted to to camp near those kind of like lakes. I think lakes was a big theme from what I can remember in terms of the planning side of it. It was like, I want to be, that's the view I want. When I, when I go to, when I arrive at camp, I want to have that. A, you've got a bit of a clearing point, you know, by any kind of lake where you can kind of set up, you can make it a bit easier to do that. And, and just the views waking up in the morning and yeah, and seeing it. There's something about high alpine lakes are they're just gorgeous. And I think also uh, they're burned into my memory because it seems to me that the most beautiful places in my mind came after the most difficult struggles. So, uh, you know, going up the golden staircase, if you're going southbound, going up the golden staircase and, and being able to then camp at Palisade lakes. I mean, that was just incredible not because they were more beautiful than any other lakes, but because they came after the golden staircase. So I think <laughs> you put in the, you put in the miles, you put in the effort and uh, just Devil's to see that. Devil's post pile. Is that one? Yeah. Devil's post pile. That's right. Right outside of Red's meadow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just little things like that, that you just want to, I think, I mean, I've written, I've written so many different things down. I think that was the, not necessarily it was good to have those points off to say I want to do that and I want to reach that but I kind of with the height that I ended up doing as a replacement for that I kind of realized that by it's a bit different over here in the UK because it's technically in certain areas illegal to wild camp Um, so I was kind of bound by my where I started and where I finished my day and I know that people wild camp and you see it all the time, especially on YouTube with people saying, Oh, I've just done wild camping here. It was my first time out. So for me, again, it's kind of that if I'm going to do it for the first time, first I want to, I, I have never camped before. You know, I've never, I've never done a back, never backpacked or done a through hike and I had never camped before. So if I'm going to do that, I want to do that at a campsite. Um, so that was, but I, I found that very restricting and it kind of, it made it then for me at least a little bit more than uncomfortable 
because it was like when you got really tired rather than just thinking, do you know what? I'm going to have a, I'm going to, I found a spot here. It's phenomenal. It's beautiful. I'm just going to set up camp here. I could not do that on this, or I probably could have done, but I chose then not to do that because I was just fearful of getting a, you know, a, a flashlight by a, a farmer, a local farmer or something like at 11 o'clock going, you need to get off my land. Um, and me having to then cap, you know, pack up, which actually happened um, on on one of the nights that I was that I was camping. I actually camped on a campsite, but that was completely was for a different reason. Um, so yeah, I found it quite restricting. Having it's good to have checkpoints or where oh okay, that's day one, or that's where I want to get to. But by doing that, you then you're forcing yourself to go beyond a certain point. I remember hitting, I think it was day two or three. Can't remember now. And it was, I, it would, it was six thirty in the evening. I still had five miles to go. Um, uh, not five miles. It was uh, five hours. I, I, I ended up getting into camp at quarter twelve in the evening. Wow! At night and setting up camp pitch black, um, and I was in bits. And that was a nineteen and a half mile day. Um, and I'd got lost, and I'd had all sorts of problems during the day. And that was, so I think as much as it's great to have points of saying, this is what I want to hit for that particular day in terms of mileage, having the flexibility like you do in, like in America, or I suppose in Scotland as well, you can wild camp, which is something I want to do as well. But just being able to say, do you know what? I've had it for today. I've had enough. I'm just going to find a great spot. I'm going to set up camp and I'm going to go here and maybe pick up some more miles on the, on the next day where I've decided to do a short day. You have more flexibility. And I think that is definitely something that I would change about my next, my next hike. And that particular hike you were just discussing, was that your hike to uh, Snowdonia way? Yeah, the Snowdonia way. So that was yeah. the one that I ended up deciding on doing. It was a toss up between the West Highland way in mm-hmm. Scotland or the Snowdonia way. And I kind of, I, I just picked the Snowdonia way. It was one, it was a route that has been created. It's a relatively new route uh, that was set up in 2017 by a guy, a mountaineer called Alex Kendall. And he'd written a guide, a book um, on, on that particular route. And there's two different routes. There's the mountain route. And then there's the kind of the, the, the valley route, if you will, the an easier kind of route. And I obviously went for the mountain route to try to have some form of replication, like replicate what I was wanting to do in terms of, you know, just endurance and, and the, the elevation getting sort of going up and down and doing all that. Um, and, but it's not way marked. I mean, a lot of it is very, there's, I mean, there's no trail, very little trail. And in the six days I saw four people um, on the actual one. I was actually walking. I mean, I met people on, mm-hmm. you know, Sloan, Mountain is like the highest mountain in Wales. Um, uh, Kader Idris, again, all of the sort of tourist spots, you are the sort of you, you come across quite a lot of people. But as a rule, I saw four people in six days over that entire period. It was just on your own. Did, and I spoke to a few people and I told them where I'd, go, where I'd gone and they were like, Craig, you know, the, the farmers don't even go up there. You know what I mean? Like, what are you, what are you doing up there? So... It's quite, yeah, it's a, it's a really new route. It's not way marked. So my navigation came massively into play, which was a little bit sketchy at best. Um, so, yeah, but that was, 
You had to, use your, had to use your newfound compass skills? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, it was, yeah, it was all GPS and kind of looking at it from that point and OS maps and, and, and using those kind of devices, really. So did I hear you correctly in that the Snowdonia Way is about 120 miles? It is. So, yeah, it's from... And you did it in six days? I did. I did. I, well, I, I fell short because on day six, I got in a spot of bother. Um, I was supposed to be meeting my parents. They were coming down and my stepdad was going to do day seven with me, which was, I think it was 10 miles for day seven. And then I had 18 miles left on, on the last day. And I started on day six and the campsite that I was at, the guy, one of the guys at the camp, he, who was kind of running the place and whatever, amazing campsite, by the way. I mean, we had hot, like pizza, fresh pizza they were cooking there and the beer on the tap. It was phenomenal. I was just like, ah, and I ate two pizzas. Peach, that's that's not camping that's glamping right there yeah it was it really 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 <laughs> was i mean i like landed on my feet but i wasn't complaining i really 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 really, really wasn't complaining. um but he said yeah he said i oh, said what are you doing so i told him about the snow down your way and he said oh, a couple of weeks ago there were two guys who who tried that route and they they stopped they ended it here they didn't go on. They couldn't, they couldn't go on beyond that point. And I thought, and that was again, another trigger in my mind to kind of say, right, well, I'm not stopping here. And then I woke up in the morning and sort of tended to my, to my blistered feet. And in doing that, then all of a sudden like the thunder started cracking and then it started to rain. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And uh, I thought I'm going to go, I've got to go, I've got to go. And it just got really bad. And then I don't know what I was thinking. And I think this is where you kind of make choices. And there was one real bad choice. And there was this kind of fence lining and it kind of met into the into this like mountainside or crag. And it just looked really daunting. And for some reason in my head and the cloud had come in and it started to get really heavy cloud. So it was clear. And then within within literally 30 seconds or 60 seconds, poof, whiteouts, couldn't see a thing. Just could all see it come towards me. And I was just like, okay, I'm not going up there. Uh, I thought if I do have to, it looked like I had to do it, but I thought I'm not doing that today. And for some stupid reason, I climbed over the fence right and went round and then I kind of, I couldn't get back on top because then the cloud got really thick. So I couldn't see where I was going. And then it was too steep to get back on side. And again, I didn't think, why don't you just retrace your steps and go back? And um, there was just two big lakes at the bottom. And I tried to then, I thought I need to get out of here. So I kind of, I took a, I took a right down towards the lake and there was this forest and I could see on the map that there was a track that led through the forest. But when I got down there, it wasn't an actual forest. It was an actually, it was a logging forest, which was so dense. So the trees were all like, like so close to each other. And it was like Satan. I just grabbed hold. I couldn't get out of there. It was all over me and I'm getting smacked in the face by, by branches. So I quickly made an exit out of this little forest. And then, headed back down to this stream 
and then I hit like just this 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 swamp, and I twice I fell up to my waist in swamp. The second time, first time I kind of got out fairly easy, and the second time it was really thick. And then I lost my, my one of my outs come off, so I'm like flapping around trying to get my shoe back on the weight of my pack, and I thought I need to ditch my pack. But I thought if I ditch that, that's gone. And I don't know where I am at this point. I need to get out of here. And it took me 45 minutes to pull myself out of this swamp. And you're on your own. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's nasty weather. And I was just, I, I started to really, when you panic, and I, there was moments in my mind where I was thinking, this is it. Like, I'm not getting out of here. This is, and I'm being really serious. I really thought this is not good. I'm done. This is how am I going to get? So I'm trying to pull myself out using my trekking pole to try to manage to get my way. Energy. I knew that I had the energy and the, the, the sort of the, the endurance to be able to continue on to do the amount of walking that I needed to do to finish the, the last two days. But I just mentally went and thought I've had enough. Like I want to go home. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And obviously I had the luxury of knowing that my parents had come to meet me at where I was supposed to be ending that day because they were going to be, my dad, my, my, my stepdad was going to be walking with me for the 10 mile the next day. And then they were going to drive on to Conway and we were then going to meet up there. And then we were going to go off and have like a few days in an Airbnb and just chill out and relax. And I think knowing that I knew that they were there and the problems that I'd had that particular day in my mind, I was like, I'm, I, I'm done. Like, I can't, I just want to, and I think having the luxury of knowing that they were there and I could, it was only later that I managed to get signal on my phone to call them to say, like, you need to come pick me up and this is where I'm going. And I just found this track and tried to get my way out of there, found the main road and then sat on the, sat on the roadside for about 40 minutes waiting for them to, to come pick me up and it was there that I decided I was like um yeah this is this is it I've finished my snow day it just come to an end and it was quite upsetting at the time but in a not in a narcissistic kind of way but in, I'm really glad that it happened in the way that it did because the amount of additional planning that I hadn't done that I should have done. But now looking back at it, had that not have happened, I wouldn't have thought of all the different things. Like if I'm going to bail, like where is my bailout? If I get in a problem and I'm going over the top of a mountain peak or wherever, if I hit a problem prior to that, where is my bailout? Where do I go? And I hadn't looked at any of that kind of stuff. And it was only after the fact when I went onto like Google earth and, started to look at the, 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 the landscape. And I thought if I'd have gone left rather than going over it and I had to bail out, I'd have had an easier route down. There was a massive main road. I could have just walked in. It wouldn't have been a nice route. I'd just been walking along the road, but I'd have managed to get back in, probably met with my parents, done the next few days and jobs were good and I'd have finished the whole hike and everything would have been fine. But I wouldn't have gone that, had that learning curve and that experience of what I felt near death. Um... I wouldn't have, and I wouldn't have retrospectively gone back and researched that route again to gone, okay, where did I go wrong and why did I do what I did and where would that bailout have been? So now 
having had that experience, I think going into any future hike, I would, my preparation as much as doing the spreadsheets and all of that kind of thing is cool. I think really analyzing the route from the top down, utilizing the modern tools that we have to really look at it and have a bird's eye view and say, right, that is what it's going to look like. And if you do get into problem, where would you bail out from here? What is your exit route? What would you do? And I think they're the key thing, especially when you're on your own. Um, that was yeah. kind of, that's sorry, a, that I've sounds like it was a, a, a pretty dire experience. I mean, that, was, that it, sounded like it was, it was pretty what? harrowing. It was horrible. It really, 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 really got to me. Um, and a lot really, of people, a lot of non hikers would listen to that story and say, well, you know, if that were me, I'd never go hiking again. But I think I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in this, that most of our hiker friends out there have had experiences like that, and yet they continue to plan and do more hikes. They, they, they don't give up. This is, right. uh, it, it's part of the experience. And uh, like, you, like you did, you learn from it, and you, you plan better for next time. But I think very few of uh, our hiker friends have run into a bad experience and have said, that's it. I'm never hiking again. No, and I think that basis also, it's like, why do you hike? If you don't, it's, I think that question, why do you do dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what it all boils down to. And I think if, that, if the reason why you do dot, 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 isn't meaningful isn't really it's just a superficial reason mm-hmm. that's why people don't achieve their goals that's why people say oh, okay i want to lose weight okay well and then you try to start going to the gym and whatever and then it becomes a bit difficult and then you stop because you you haven't really nailed down the underlying reason as to what you want to lose weight for okay well i can't work because i want to fit into some better clothes why do you want to do that because I want to do this. Well, why do you want to do that? And if you keep going through the whys and get to the deep root reasons to why you want to do stuff, that's why people actually go out and still hike when they get into problems because it means too much for them to be, and they have, they, they get so much from it more so than what that problem actually brought up. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. It makes complete sense. So PJ, what, uh, what's your next adventure when are you planning on doing the, the JMT? So again, it'll be, I'm going to go through the same whole process that I did last time. So I'll just, I think the 4th of January was the first day that I could, because you have to apply six months in advance. So that would bring me to, that would bring me to a starting point of around again, 20th of June with a 28 day um, rolling lottery. And then just apply and just keep keep going for that until I until I get it. And if I don't, then there's things like the Tahoe Rim Trail that I'd like to look at. Um, there's loads of trails. I mean, obviously, since my since I've got into it, you all of a sudden you're like, whoa! There's loads of them. <laughs> They're everywhere, um, and and some really amazing ones in Europe. You know, Tour de Mont Blanc looks amazing. Uh, there's one called the G20, which is, I think, a little bit sketchy and probably one that I would not probably do just quite yet because that's probably one of the toughest ones out there. Um, but, yeah, there's loads of ones. But I think the JMT is obviously big, big, 
big thing for me because that's kind of where it all kind of started. And I want to do that. Um, definitely going to redo the Snowdonia way, the one that I did just to redo it in, a, in with more knowledge and better understanding and to complete it. Because like I said, I just, I was what 30 miles short of completing. So that kind of niggles away at me a little bit, but um, not in a bad way, but just to the point of, okay, I need to redo that one. Sure. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely, I just want to hike it. I definitely want to experience American backcountry. I think you guys seem to really embrace it. And I think we do over here as well, but I think it's more of a part of the culture of, of America in terms of how that backcountry and the, how you go about you, even the, just the culture of America and how you're, how it's all developed. It's where it all kind of comes from is that, that connection with, with, with the backcountry. And I think that's for me a big, has to be something that I do and I don't care where it is. If I don't get on the JMT, then I could potentially do it northbound. I don't know if that is a great idea or not coming from never having really hiked high, high altitude and starting it, at sort of 12,000 feet going straight into a 14 and a half thousand foot, you know, Mount Whitney on day three and, uh, you know, sort of getting that, just that elevation. I think the, the, you know, you don't want to get sick and all that. I don't want it to be yeah. a disaster. Yep. Very good. Well, yeah. You're going to, you're going to get your permit. I know it. And when you do, you have to give me a call and let me know so I can come do uh, the resupply over Kearsarge pass. Absolute legend, Doc. That's, uh, yeah, love it. Love it. All right. Hey, Tripod, you know where we are right now? Go on. We are at the time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. What can you share? What, what insight can you share with our listeners to make their next trip that much more epic? I think, I mean, I mean, this is just, this is difficult for me to kind of, because there's so many different things, but I just think the, I think for me, it was just not this, I, 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 I don't know if this is a pro, it wouldn't be a pro tip. <laughs> I think the planning and the preparation and understanding where you are, I mean, I think that's probably a second for you. You'd just be like, well, yeah. But um, <laughs> I think for me coming from somewhere, if the people, anybody's listening that hasn't or isn't a very seasoned hiker, I think really understanding where you are and looking at it, even utilizing those tools such as Google Earth to look into sort of zoom into certain areas and look at the, look at the bailout points and just understanding where you are at any point. So it's familiar if you're not familiar with the area that you're going to be hiking in, just so it kind of gives you that sense of peace of mind that when you do hit it, you think, okay, and I remember that or take a little screenshot, save it on your phone. If there's any sketchy points where you think, "Mm, that could be quite gnarly or whatever it might be, then to just have a little screenshot of it and think, okay, yeah, I know that's coming today and I've got that part to go through, or that's my bailout. For me personally right now, there's loads of other little things, like we're talking about, you know, putting the duct tape around the trekking pole for anything mm-hmm. like that, or, you know, like uh, Luco tape, I thought was brilliant, as, like for, for blisters, and there's loads of little things like that. But I think for me, it was all about the preparation and the planning in order to really fully enjoy 
hike, I think the preparation going into that, and that's not just about your pack, not about just the weight and the food and all of those other little things that you just, as a general rule, I think is the preparation of understanding where you are to really enjoy it. So you don't have those kind of situations that I had then on day six, even though I'm grateful for it happening because the research I did after the fact was really made me think, God, why didn't you do that before? But I don't think if it had gone great and smoothly, I don't think I would have probably not have done it because I wouldn't have thought to do it. I just thought, oh, yeah, no, that was cool. Yeah, great pro tip. Know where you are, know where the bail point, bailout points are because at some point you are going to be in the middle of nowhere by yourself and, you know, bad stuff happens sometimes. You know, all it takes is a twisted ankle or getting stuck up to your waist in a, in a swamp and uh, you're, you're like, okay, how do I get out of here? And that'd be very important information to have at that point. So thank you very much for that. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 47 is in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with PJ. And I want to thank him for joining us this week. PJ, uh, once again, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? And where can they find updates on your latest adventures? So yeah, so it'd be on Instagram is no hike two, So the number two through hike. And that's on Instagram. <clears throat> And then I am starting a YouTube channel, which will be more sort of hiking and fitness and nutrition related. Um, so as I, and that's just for me to share my experiences going through that and just the things that I'm, because I'm doing my personal training qualifications and nutrition, uh, nutritional advisor, but I'm going to, it'll be specific to hiking. Um, so as I learn what I learn, I'm going to share that through YouTube and it's the same, same handle on YouTube. And I've got my Snowdonia way that I did that I filmed. So it is, it's 52 minutes and it's the first time I've ever filmed anything like that. So it's a little bit work, you know, but, um, so yeah, that's kind of where, that's where you'd be able to find me. Fantastic. Those, those folks who are prepping for their next big trip are going to stumble upon your YouTube channel and, and take inspiration from that. So that's great. Hope so. Hope so. All right. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have any comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Right, Peach? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wrap from the john freaking your studio any final thoughts pj awesome no thank you very much for having me. i've really enjoyed it and uh i yeah it's, uh, it's now 20 past four in the morning so uh yeah <laughs> well after you do the jmt next summer we will have you back on and we'll coordinate a time that is better suited for you <laughs> <laughs> awesome no thank you very much awesome. all right Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't care if you've got five more hours to go before you make campsite at a quarter to midnight. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.